Breakfast Morning Show, The Breakfast Club. Good morning, USA. Yo, 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 um, well, right now, you know, I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's been 100 years since the Tulsa massacre. So I know we'll talk about that this morning. Oh, yes. It's been a lot of events around um, uh, the Tulsa massacre this weekend. You participated in anything? I'm sure that's why you're out there, right? Yeah, it started yesterday with a candlelight vigil because the Tulsa massacre actually started at 10 p.m. Uh, May 31st and went on for about 24 hours. They said it's one of the worst cases uh, white supremacy, a massacre that happened in America. Yeah, and it happened um, it happened twice in Tulsa, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it happened twice. It's two different times. This is they, what they... Two different times they built up their infrastructure only to have it destroyed by white supremacy. Yeah, they said up to 300 lives were lost, even though officially it was 37 people, according to records that were killed, but they said a lot of the missing bodies were dumped in the nearby river, in Arkansas River. Mm-hmm. But there are three survivors from that night who are still alive, by the way. Yes, they're all over 100, right? Didn't they all testify mm-hmm. recently? Yeah, because um, obviously it was 100 years ago, so they would have to be over 100. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> I mean, smart show here. Like <laughs> Listen, if it's you one thing we know, it's a little bit of math. Okay? <laughs> all right? Jesus. But I mean, that is rare, though, that you have three people all over 100 who all lived through something like that. You know what I mean? That is that Yeah, is and rare. imagine just... What that's that stays with you forever. Just having witnessed that one woman, Viola Fletcher, she's 107 years old now, mm. and never been compensated for it. That's the other never thing. Never been compensated. They said, imagine if you were starving, and they give you a picture of some food. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Instead of actual food, all these promises. So we'll talk about that this morning. Of course, how was your weekend? Um, weekend was cool. I, fl- I went to South Carolina. I was in South Carolina for like mm, 24, 36 hours, something like that. So that's always refreshing. And then, you know, just later on, it did nothing. Caught up on all my talk shows. I caught up on Z-Wee this weekend. Uh, I watched a little bit of uh, Sam J. And what else did I do? I was just I was reading, minding my business. That's all. Yeah, I saw a little Sam J. Also, I went to go see Donnell at Caroline's. Donnell Rawlings. I saw you. I saw, I, saw you I saw you in the paper, too. I'm sure we'll talk about that in Rumor Report. Sure thing. I saw you in page six. <laughs> They made it a way bigger deal than it was, but it was funny. With a couple of uh, yes, well, radio icons. Yes, Miss Jones and Wendy Williams mm-hmm. uh, showed up toward the end of the show Ed- and surprised everyone. Eddie, do we got any guests today? No guests today? Okay, no guests. So we got front page news next. What we got you? Well, let's talk about this Tulsa massacre and what happened 100 years ago today. All right, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off today. It's time for front page news. What we got, Yee? Well, employers are allowed to require uh, employees to take a COVID-19 vaccine, and they can also legally provide incentives like cash to workers who do take it. 
Yeah, so, they starting to wild out with this uh, whole vaccination marketing promotion thing, though. I mean, everything is vaccine something. I was driving in, I saw a sign that said vaccine scratch. People say vaccine wax. Like, oh, everything got to be vaccine something. <laughs> vaccine scratch. Yeah, it's just a, it was a lot of yeah, I don't want to shame people who don't get vaccinated either. It's a personal decision. I don't think anybody should force you to do it. Yeah, I'm with you. But, just, everything don't have to be a vaccine something, is all I'm saying. They do make it harder, though, if you don't get it. They make it really hard to move around and do certain things, you know, go places if you're not vaccinated. So I think that alone is incentive. It's also kind of not fair to people who got it early on. And now there's all these incentives. Like, I didn't get no lottery ticket. Well, you, you, you got it because you uh, did what you thought was right. All right. Now let's talk about the Tulsa massacre that happened 100 years ago today. It started last night. Uh, May 31st, and it went on for about 24 hours. Now, there are still three people who are alive that remember the Tulsa massacre. That's when angry white mobs set out under the cover of nightfall in Tulsa, Oklahoma, to kill black people and to destroy black America's economic mecca. It was over 30 streets in Greenwood in Tulsa. That was a thriving black community. They called it the Black Wall Street. And it's been 100 years since that massacre happened. Over 300 people were killed, even though on record it's only 37 people. And 107-year-old Viola Fletcher is actually speaking out about what that night was like. The night of the massacre, I was awakened by my family. I was told we had to leave, and that was it. I will never forget the violence of the white mob when we left our home. I still see black men seeing being shot, black mm. bodies lying in the street. Mm. I still smell smoke and see fire. I still see black businesses being burned. I hear the screams. I have lived through the massacre every day. Our country may forget this history, but I cannot. I tell you what, if they can't get reparations for what happened in Tulsa, there's no hope for the rest of us because that was so egregious and obvious. And it was just 100 years ago and folks are still alive from that massacre. They can't use their typical excuses. Oh, you can't pay ghosts or oh, you weren't a slave. Those folks are still alive and still have not gotten compensation. Right. There were about 9,000 black people who lived in and around Greenwood Avenue before the massacre. They said at least 1,250 black homes were destroyed in addition to other commercial businesses. Mm. So it was a, a bunch of different factors like racism, of course. It was land lust by the railroads and industrialists for which the community sat. Jealousy over the success of black people, expansion of the Ku Klux Klan and the former Tulsa Tribune. So. There you have it. Yeah, I just read an article that uh, uh, Germany paid uh, Nambia Nam $1.3 for crimes committed by Germany and what is now Nambia. So it's really no excuse not to compensate, you know, uh, the, the people who lived through the massacre in Tulsa. And I was watching the local news here because I'm in Tulsa right now. They said uh, Joe Biden is supposed to be coming here today around 1 p.m. For what? I mean, there's a lot of events. Yeah, I'm saying, but know, it's like, happening. yo, you're the president of the United States. Let's get some States action. Of, that's what I'm saying. You're the president of the United States of America. If you show up to places like that, it should be because you're actually going to do something. Not for photo ops and just to say you were there and tell us how bad the crime was. We know how bad the crime was, but what are you going to do about it? Yeah, I mean, there's all these services happening today. So I'm just praying and hoping that as they're bringing more attention, I was watching the news yesterday and they were saying how there was a lot of shame and even discussing it. And that's why a lot of people don't learn about it in school because mm. no one wanted to really discuss it. It was like a shameful part of history. You know, America's got a lot of those. America's got a lot of, uh, you know, trauma that they've caused the people that I'm sure that they don't want to discuss. Same reason they don't want the 1619 Project in, uh, in schools. All right. Well, that is your 
front page news. And you know, the Washington Wizards beat the 76ers yesterday, so they lead the series 3-1, to one, and the Utah Jazz beat the Memphis Grizzlies. Utah leads that series 3-1. to one. And of course, our Brooklyn Nets are going to be playing tonight. They're actually leading that series against the Celtics 3-1, to one, and the Trailblazers versus the Denver Nuggets. That's tied at 2-2. Two and two. Yeah, I don't think the Wizards, the Wizards are not leading the series in Philly, are they? Oh no, Philly's, I'm sorry, Philly's leading. Yeah, Philly's three leading 3-1. to one. One. Okay. And yeah, now kidding. they're leading 3-1. to one. Got mm-hmm. you, got you, got you. All right, uh, get it off your chest. 1-800-585-1051. If you got something you want to get off your chest, or if you want to simply tell us why you're blessed, reach out and touch us right now. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Let's go. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Who's this? Yo, Charlemagne, this is Todd. So, Peace, so King. How you doing, brother? I'm in a perpetual state of struggle, but that's not what I called about. <laughs> <laughs> I like, hey, listen, I like that answer, though, because it was an honest answer. Yes, yeah, honest answer. Don't take it as a statement of sorrow, man. You got to struggle to move forward. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just answering the question. You got to feel your feels, brother. I'm not mad. Just don't stay there. But what, what, what's happening? Bleed that, Black. Okay, hey, Envy, hey, Angelique. So listen, hey. I'm of the belief, based on truth, that if we would, if we would teach accurate history and accurate civics in this country, we would have no need or not even be compelled to teach critical race theory. And it's for that reason that I question the value of critical race theory, because a critical study of the accurate assessment of the facts in this country on what, how this country has behaved in a negative and positive way for its citizens would give you what you need through an honest study and delivery of history and civics. So I hope that at some point this becomes more of a topic of conversation on your broadcast because while I don't, I'm not knocking its existence right now, I am saying that it's being put in place that has much more value and that's a, that's a critical study of the accurate assessment of facts of history and civics in this country so that we can move forward better. Uh, but I mean, I, no, I agree with you, but that's why you need critical race theory. You need critical race theory because you know that the accurate history isn't being told. Well, I'm saying what we need is the, is the correct teaching of history and civics and push harder for that so that you don't put another label on top of it and then be compelled to put another label on top of that. I see what and you're saying. Me, and let me say this as I exit out. I've known about the... Um, the massacre in Tulsa since I was since the summer before I turned six and that goes back to the 70s and I knew some of those older people because I had family down there they were in their 70s and they were in their 20s when it when it happened to them but they were in their 70s when I met them do you know they still haven't had their insurance claims paid out that's disgraceful yeah I mean that's Let what me they that's that what they fighting for head. now I agree with you brother At the minimum that's the minimum word thank you brother all right, get it off your chest. If you want to call us right now and tell us why you're upset or if you want to tell us why you're blessed, just reach out and touch 1-800-585-1051. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Happy Tuesday. The Breakfast Club. Wake up, wake up. Wake your ass. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Who's this? Hi, it's Kay. London. Peace, Kay, from London, London <laughs> Town. You? I'm blessed, I'm black, and highly favored. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I just wanted to, you know, just say that you've got some international listeners. You need to be aware of that, that you've got some international listeners. You know, I know yes. you're very American-centered, but, you know, it's, it's, 
there's some, you know, you can shout out people on the cost of a pond that are, you know, oh. listening to you and supporting you and, you know. Oh, now I love London. Good I've morning, had, London. Yeah, I've had books. Good morning, books. Angie. Angie, I love you, man. You are an inspiration. I swear, you are an inspiration. I love you, man. Thank you. Are, you. I love you, I too. Even even if I if, if if I had your accent, I'll be I'll be so happy if I even had your Brooklyn accent. You know, you guys, you're just an inspiration, Angie. Don't discredit your beautiful UK accent. We love oh, that. And let me tell you something. Know, People you, hate you when you do their accent. There, but, you know, <laughs> I used to live in New Jersey and they used to love me over there, but I don't like mm-hmm. it. I'd, I'd rather talk like you guys. <laughs> No, I love London. I've I've done book signings in London. I've hosted parties in London. Uh, my my homegirl Ashley from London. She actually got me a billboard a couple of weeks ago in Times Square um, when when I got my honorary doctorate from South Carolina State, and I, that 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 blew my mind. So I'm I'm demanding a lot from my uh, American friends for my birthday later this month. Uh, no, they're a lot more generous in London. They definitely are. Uh, Their money's <laughs> worth more. Your money's worth more than ours. <laughs> Thank you, Kay. And also, your worldview oh. is a bit skewed sometimes. I've been listening to, like, old podcasts. Like, it's really interesting. I've listened to what's happened, like, a year previously. Uh-huh. And just listening back. You, should, you guys should listen back and just, like, with the whole coronavirus and everybody's thinking, oh, yeah, we'll be out of this in a couple of months and, you know, the, what other countries are doing. England or Britain has been just as bad as America, um, like, in dealing with this. And you guys are not... But then you guys have got states that are open and stuff. We're still in lockdown. And they're even saying that on the 21st of June, when we're supposed to ease in lockdown, they're not going to ease it now because we've got the Indian variant. Wow. Believe me, yeah. there's going to be riots in the streets in London, in England, in Britain. If they don't open it up, there's going to be a riot. What's England's Florida? England's Florida? Yeah. Um, <laughs> where all the crazy people are. Yes. <laughs> that would have to be... Ooh... I don't think we got one. London. It has to be London, I think. Yeah. It's a bit crazy in London. Yeah. You know, bit, um... There's only one maybe, Florida. No, no, no. I'll tell you what. It'd be Cornwall, maybe. Cornwall? Cornwall. Like, okay. Cornwall. Okay. But they will speak a bit funny. Yeah. Okay. That would have to be it. All right. We don't have a Bronx, though. That's damn sure. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Kay. Appreciate damn sure. you. Damn. Good morning. Yo, what's up? This Cliff. What's going on? Cliff, what's happening, King? Get it off your chest. Man, Man, I just want to say um, I love my wife, my beautiful black queen, Sheena. We just celebrated our four-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, I just want to shout out our fitness page, man. It's Edmondson Strong, E-D-M-U-N-D-S-O-N underscore S-T-R-O-N-G. Man, we both lost... Uh, me and my wife both lost uh, 30 pounds over the uh, last year. And we're just nice. trying to uh, get everybody to, to um, just stay positive, man, and just continue to look forward to your fitness goals and everything else, man. Y'all have a blessed day. I respect you, All bro. Right. You called in that's focused. Dope. Shout out to wife. Nice shout out to business. fitness couple. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right, that's get it off your chest. We do that every morning. Um, if you ever you want to get off, get something off your chest, or if you just want to tell us why you're blessed, start off your morning the right way. Just reach out and touch us. We got a rumor report coming up, you. Yeah, since we're talking about weight loss, let's talk about Raven Simone. She's lost 28 pounds, and for some reason, people are upset about her post. We'll tell you what it is. All right, we'll discuss. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. This is the rumor report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. Club. So listen up. Nah, 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 nah.
Now, Naomi Osaka has withdrawn from playing in the French Open, and she said it's because of her mental health. She said, the truth is I have suffered long bouts of depression since the U.S. Open in 2018, and I have had a really hard time coping with that. Anyone that knows me knows I am introverted, and anyone that has seen me at tournaments will notice that I'm often wearing headphones, as that helps dull my social anxiety. Though the tennis press has always been kind to me, and I want to apologize to all the cool journalists who I may have hurt, I am not a natural public speaker and get huge waves of anxiety before I I speak to the world's media. I get really nervous and find it stressful to always try to engage and give you the best answers I can. So here in Paris, I was already feeling vulnerable and anxious, so I thought it was better to exercise self-care and skip the press conferences. I announced it preemptively because I do feel like the rules are quite outdated in parts, and I wanted to highlight that. Man, drop on the clue so, bombs from Naomi Osaka. Mm-hmm. I feel her a million percent. I don't give a damn. Staying healthy is the most important thing that we all can do. And I'm glad that people are taking their mental health that serious. There's nothing more exhausting than being in your own head, being overwhelmed by everything around you. I respect her for unplugging and dealing with the consequences of that unplugging. Well, she had to pay a $15,000 fine for refusing to attend mandatory post-match press conferences at the French Open. Then she withdrew from the tournament on Monday because of that depression in that post that I read to you. Now, so appears Morgan was going in on her and he was calling her a brat for refusing to speak to media in order to protect her mental health. And he also said she took a page out of the playbook of uh, Meghan and Harry. Yeah, somebody tells you that they're dealing with mental health issues and you respond by calling them a brat. Hmm. Way to go, Pierce. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I mean, she's a bit... Yeah, like she just gave this whole thing about what she's been dealing with, about her anxiety and her mental health, and then he bullies her for that. She's, what, 23 years old? And it's not like she was losing. She won. Hey, I respect her for unplugging and dealing with the consequences of that unplugging. That, That fine is just an investment in her mental wealth. That's the way I look at it. I respect it. All right, Blair Underwood and his wife, uh, Desiree DaCosta, have put out a joint statement about their divorce. They are calling it quits. They've been married for 27 years. They said it would be, they would continue to put their kids' best interests first, according to People Magazine. They said, after a tremendous amount of thought, prayer, and work on ourselves individually and collectively, we have come to the conclusion to end our marriage that began 27 years ago. It has truly been a beautiful journey. Okay. I know that sucks. I saw them together one time when I was in New Orleans eating at Niao's. They were both very nice, you know. Yeah, I wonder what gets you them. to that point after 27 years. Because you would think that, like, after 27 years, there's nothing you can't work through. So I wonder what gets you to that point where you just like, I'm out. All right, now, Raven Simone and her weight loss. Let's discuss this. She's 35 years old, and she shared a video celebrating the fact that she lost 28 pounds. Pounds down. Check out the chin, babe. I got a whole different face going on. Just so you guys know, I am 28 pounds down. We started a little exercise journey together. And we're, we're still filming it. We're going to share it with you guys as soon as it's all done. But, but I think it's safe to say it's kind of like transformative. I mean, you see that jawline though right now? It looks like I have a neck. Congratulations to her. I could stand to lose about 15 my damn self. It was her and her wife, Miranda Pierman Madej. And, you know, people, some people were not happy about her, you know, being excited about her journey to weight loss. What? Uh, I saw people were, yes, they said that her remarks were triggering and a fitting example of diet culture's effect on society. <laughs> what? <laughs> I hate it here. I ha- when are the UFOs coming, man? When are the extraterrestrials coming to bring some balance? Why are you mad at somebody because they're celebrating their weight loss journey? How could that trigger someone? Losing weight? She also had said that she's going to be doing a 48-hour fast 
And there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. It's your body. And a lot of times when people do fast, it is also um, because they're trying to give their organs a break from having to break down food. So it's a good thing to do at times if you choose to do that. How could somebody so lose weight trigger you in a negative way? That's I, I guess if you have issues with food and weight loss and things like that. Oh, if you can't lose weight? Like, yeah, I guess if you have like some sort of trauma with your own weight loss or lack of weight loss, weight mm -hmm. problems, whatever the case may be, hearing other people talk about it, I guess, could be triggering for some. Yeah, and it was interesting. Nobody got mad at Will Smith for that. And he's right. been showing off his whole fitness progress and new clips after he discussed how he gained weight. I didn't see anybody mad at him. Well, I haven't seen anything since Will Smith posted that he had a dad bod. So I guess <laughs> more people can relate to that. Right. You didn't see the video of him in his briefs on a rotating platform? Yeah, but that's the one where he was yeah. saying that he needs to lose weight. But right? it's, okay. di it's different for men and women, though, right? Like, you never ask a woman, you never talk about a woman's weight, right? Like, things like that. It's like a rule, just like her age. Mm -hmm. and things. It's different for men and women. The rules are kind of different. But that don't mean she can't talk about her own weight loss. I'm I not agree. I'm, I'm just saying that's other perspectives that I've heard before. Why are we even debating what silly people think? I don't know. That's just silly. Come <laughs> on. I mean, she's excited about right. the fact that's that right. she's lost weight, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing. It's been a journey for her. Exactly. All right. Now, Michael Jordan recently donated $1 million to Morehouse, and that is to advance and support journalism and sports at Morehouse. The school's journalism mm -hmm. program originally launched following a donation from Spike Lee, and now uh, they have released a statement thanking Michael Jordan for that donation, mm -hmm. stating Morehouse is grateful to Michael Jordan and Jordan Brand for an investment in the education of talented men of color who will ensure there's equity, balance, and truth and the way sports stories are framed and the way the black experience is contextualized within American history. Mm, dropping a clue bombs for Michael Jordan. I like hearing about stuff like that. Now, stuff like that, that's what inspires me. That's the type and of stuff And Howard University has rolled out a Chadwick-inspired masterclass. Chadwick Boseman, he wanted to get uh, Howard University students up to speed on the entertainment business early, so he had this idea to do this masterclass, but the university is now going to roll out a masterclass template for the Chadwick A. Boseman College of Fine Arts that's inspired by Chadwick Boseman himself. He presented that idea and concept to head honchos before he passed away. Wow. Dropping the clues bombs with Chadwick Boseman. South Carolina's own. Rest in peace, good brother. All right, and just so y'all know, Felicia Rashad, who was just named the new dean of the Fine Arts College, will also help uh, shape that. So everything is in good hands. Mm -hmm. All right, and that is your rumor reports. All right, we got front page news coming up next year. What are we talking about? Ooh, teaching masturbation in the first grade. What do you think about oh, that? Oh, Lord. Come on, aliens. UFOs, we need you, baby. We need you now. <laughs> it's The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Do you want to elevate your sleep? Right now, save up to $300 on top-rated brands like Sealy's and Sleepy's at Mattress Firm. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $6.99 or more. Every night, save big, sleep better. Shop the semi-annual sale now. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angelique, DJ Envy is off today. It's Tuesday, but it feels like a Monday. It's time for Front Page News. What we got, ye? Uh, well, let's talk about this shooting that just happened, and this was in Florida. Authorities have released new surveillance video footage of the suspects in the Sunday morning shooting that left two people dead and 21 people injured on Sunday morning. There, there's a video clip with three suspects who police say opened fire on a crowd outside El Mula Banquet Hall. They did find the vehicle that the suspects used in the shooting. That vehicle was submerged in a canal, and according to reports, it had been reported stolen two weeks ago. So they are saying it was a, a release party for a local rap artist. That's what the banquet hall was hosting when gunfire erupted around 1230 a.m. And how many people got shot, you said? 
Uh, it was 21 people injured and two people killed. I heard nothing about that until just now. Until you yeah, two 26-year-old men were killed at the scene. Police have not released their identities, but one man said his son, Clayton Dillard III, was killed in the shooting. So our condolences go out to the family of Clayton Dillard III. So what is it? Mass shootings don't move uh, headlines no more? Because I swear I did not see that anywhere. The blogs had it up. They had like the surveillance footage. Mm. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it on the news all weekend. All right, now, parents are very upset, and this is at Dalton. It's a very uh, ritzy private school in New York City. Their first graders were learning about masturbation in class. Now, a teacher at the Dalton School reportedly showed students a video from the cartoon series Amaze. A little boy in the video is asking about erections. How come my penis gets big sometimes and points up in the air? That's called an erection. Sometimes I touch my penis because it feels good. Sometimes when I'm in my bath or when mom puts me to bed, I like to touch my vulva too. You have a clitoris there, Kayla, that probably feels good to touch the same way Keith's penis feels good when he touches it. But have you ever noticed that older kids and grown-ups don't touch their private parts in public? It's okay to touch yourself and see how different body parts feel, but it's best to only do it in private. What do, what do we think? Ooh, as a parent, what do you think? Huh. This is first grade. I I feel like you know they're they're planting seeds in kids' heads when they do stuff like that. Because first grade, I was not thinking about sex or masturbation. But after that video, I damn sure don't want to play with no toys no more. You know what I mean? Is, is there is there a reason for them even playing that video? Like, did the kids ask for that? Did parents catch their kids masturbating? Like, what was the point of that in first grade? I don't know. When do kids start wondering about their bodies? That's and noticing, like, when do kids start, boys start getting erections and girls start touching themselves? That's a great question. I didn't you know. A mother told the post, I'm paying, life. a mother told the post, I'm paying $50,000 to these a holes to tell my kid not to let her grandfather hug her when he sees her because a lot of this is also about consent, right? And the students are reportedly taught not to let their parents or grandparents touch them without asking for permission first. For a hug? <laughs> right. They're taking it too far. <sighs> UFOs, aliens, <laughs> extraterrestrials. You know Barack said that UFOs exist, right? Mm -hmm. You know they're pre presenting it in front of the Senate uh, this month. Okay? We need them now because everybody's lost their <laughs> mind. I'm serious. Everybody's lost their mind, man. Is they, it the age thing, though, or, or is it the actual teaching of masturbation? I, I, I just think you. first grade and first grade. I mean, it's don't, it don't bother me. I just yeah. think that you're planting seeds in kids' heads when they're probably not even thinking about that kind of stuff in first grade. You know, if kids have yeah. questions, then you right. answer the questions for them. But why are you just volunteering this information to them in first grade? Yes, I wonder when. Then they got the little boy really humble bragging. The little boy's like, why did he get big? <laughs> That's where you got triggered. No, shut up. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's like, why didn't you just say hard? Why did he say he got big? Because they're trying to be politically correct, I guess, because they're kids. I, I don't know, man. Look, I'm reading this article about when do kids start masturbating mm -hmm. and how to respond when that does happen. And they said the majority of kids discover their genitals and the pleasure they can bring by age six. Right. I think kids are a lot more advanced than we give them credit for. Yeah, that's because I didn't start masturbating until in my teens. No, I was definitely masturbating before that. But yeah. I'm sure that you wondered what an erection was right. when you were I, younger. I, I don't even remember thinking about it. And didn't understand it. 
Right. I mean, I don't remember either, but according to reports, they're saying around by the age of six, a lot of kids have already discovered things. I would just hope that if schools are doing stuff like that, they're asking the parents permission before they just, Mm. you know, put that in my my kids' brains. Like, I would want a slip to go out that says, hey, this is what we want to teach on such and such day. You know, do you have give your permit your kid permission to, you know, indulge? That that is early for sex. I didn't get sex until I was in high school. So that does seem a little crazy. I think high school's a little late. Right. Yeah, right. High school might be a little late. That's yeah. a little late. Okay. Explains a lot. Might that explains a so many things about yeah. you, dramas. Especially, especially when you got the teen, you know, rates of pregnancy. Yeah, yeah high right. school might be a little late. Gotta find a middle ground. Here. All right. Well, that middle is school. your front page news. Mm. <laughs> now yeah. I know we had another discussion we wanted to have. What was the discussion? Um, we wanted to talk about wearing bonnets in public. I saw that this turned into a huge thing over the weekend. I saw a lot of people weighing in on this. I saw Plies did a post about women wearing bonnets. Then I saw Monique actually did a post about it. And um, I think we have that audio. Yep. But I saw so many of our young sisters in head bonnets, scarves, slippers, pajamas, blankets wrapped around them. And this is how they're showing up to the airport. Not just at the airport, I've been seeing it at the store, at the mall. And the question that I'm having to you, my sweet babies, when did we lose pride in representing ourselves? When did we step away of let me make sure I'm presentable when I leave my home? What do you think about that? Wearing a bonnet to the airport. And niggas be tired. <laughs> what you mean? <laughs> be, people be tired, man. People be needing rest. Like people just want to get on the plane and take their pillow and go to sleep. I don't. I, I, and it depends what time of day it is. Like, it does. See, oh, if it's early in the morning. Yeah, if it's early, early in the morning, I see somebody with a bonnet. I'm not tripping. I'm not tripping. Period. But I don't know. What do you think? I don't. Dramos, you wear bonnets. I don't wear bonnets. It's interesting though that, like, uh, I guess. It, even the concept of like our culture, what we wear out, and what's considered being dressed up. I mean, back in the day, they wear suits everywhere, and now we kind of wear sweatpants and everything everywhere. Yeah, I'm definitely true. not wearing a suit to go to the airport. But let's see what you guys think, and I'll tell you what I think when we come back. Eight hundred five eight five one zero five one. Call us up. Pull out, pull out your, pull out your phone. Call in right now. Call me. Add your opinion to the Breakfast Club top. Break it down. Eight hundred five eight five one zero five one. The Breakfast Club. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Uh, Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off today, and we're discussing hair bonnets and pajamas. Talk to him, you. Yes, and Monique had some comments about wearing those bonnets into the airport. Here's what she said. But I saw so many of our young sisters in head bonnets, scarves, slippers, pajamas, blankets wrapped around them, and this is how they're showing up to the airport. Not just at the airport, I've been seeing it at the store, at the mall. And the question that I'm having to you, my sweet babies, when did we lose pride in representing ourselves? When did we step away of let me make sure I'm presentable when I leave my home? What do we think about this, Angelique? Um, You know what? I wouldn't do it personally, but it's not to the airport. Maybe if I was like going outside or going to the supermarket, maybe not even this. I, I probably would wrap my hair and put a scarf. I would wear a scarf before I would wear a bonnet. I'll say that much. Like I will put a scarf on, but not necessarily a bonnet. But I really don't judge people who do it. I personally wouldn't, but I never looked at somebody and been like, I can't believe she left the house like that. Yeah, I thought about it during the break. Uh, I don't care. 
I, I can understand where Monique is coming from. She's an OG. She wants to see the youngins carrying themselves the way she would. But you can't expect you from other people. But I don't care. Bonnets are fine. Pajamas. You know, I might say that's a bit much. You know, personally, I've never seen nobody with pajamas on at the airport. Have, have you? You have? <laughs> oh. Yes, I definitely have. I wear sweats all the time. And basically, I think that's the most comfortable things. I would throw on some leggings, some sweatpants. I definitely always want to travel comfortably. I wouldn't wear pajamas. Yeah, I wouldn't wear pajamas. I'll do sweats. But but bonnets, I don't see the problem. You sleep with bonnets on, right? And if you're on a flight for a couple hours, a few hours, it would make perfect sense to wrap your hair because you're going to be sleeping. Yeah, I, I personally, I wouldn't do it, but I wouldn't care if someone else did it. If I was with a friend or saw somebody in the airport, I wouldn't even think nothing of it. All right, let's go to the phones. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Club. Good Who's morning. this? This is Jessica. I'm calling from Miami. So I just feel like this whole conversation is ridiculous about bonnets. Where is this same conversation when males are leaving their homes with, with a do-rag? A do-rag is on, and there's no conversation about it. It just go. It just proves the point that women are just held to a different standard for males. Women should start wearing do-rags. I be seeing my, uh, Asia Wilson. She be wearing do-rags all the time now. I think she got her own do-rag okay. line. I'm just, I'm just going to wear a do-rag to security supply stores. Only time I wear one. Does do-rag <laughs> do the same thing as a bonnet? Can it keep your uh, hair intact? So. Yeah, that's what it do, right? It keeps your waves going. Charlamagne ain't had hair in a minute. I have no idea. They had none of this. I don't know what y'all talking about. Let's go to the next caller. Thank you for calling. Good morning. The worst thing with guys is when they take off the do-rag and that line be in the middle of their forehead. Yes, it do. And then you start rubbing your head headache. like you got a headache. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Who's this? My name is Diana. I'm from Chicago. And I listen to you guys almost every day when I in the morning. Thank you. Your phone's echoing a little bit. Now, do you wear bonnets to the airport or in public? No, I don't. <laughs> okay, so you okay. agree with Monique? Yeah, I do. I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm one of these girls that like to look, look to look good wherever I go. Like, why should I leave my house looking like a hot mess? <laughs> yeah, I feel right, So bonnet equals hot mess to you? Well, to me, yeah, because it doesn't look presentable to me, you know, because... Okay. I feel like, why would you want to look, look like a hot mess when you leave house? Mm. Now, if you see somebody with a bonnet on, do you judge them? No, but I feel like, okay, why would you wear that? You know, outside. However, I would have to say this. Hey, 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 that's judging people, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Have a good day. I, mean, I guess it's a matter of preference. I don't know if there's a wrong answer here. Good morning. Good morning, Breakfast Club. This is Mr. Dingo of Dingo0925. Oh, oh, Mr. Dingo, do you wear your bonnet and your pajamas <laughs> to the airport? <laughs> no, I don't wear a bonnet. To be honest, guys, really what it is, we've lost our appreciation for flying, and it's really sad. At one point, mm -hmm. it used to be an honor to fly a plane. You had to get dressed up right. and represent your family to the teeth. So somewhere along the line, we just lost that. I don't really know what happened. I don't believe that. I don't think people lost their, uh, what do you call it? Appreciation for flying. No, I don't think it's that. I just think that them airplanes aren't that comfortable, bro. Like, like airplanes are not comfortable at all. Even if even if you're in first class, first class is cool, but all first classes are not equal. Planes I ain't just gonna aren't lie. comfortable. I judge. I judge when I see people wearing heels in the airport. I'm like, now why are you wearing Word. heels in the airport? Now that that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'd be like, where no, are I'm you not going? lying. I'm with you. When I see people overdressed. No, when I see people overdressed at the airport and they got on heels and they got on like full suits with hard bottoms, I'm like, I hope they got a short flight. 
<laughs> but you're right. I, I shouldn't judge because they might have to hop off the plane and go to a meeting or be coming from something Fair too. Enough. So exactly, go to a meeting, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's honestly what it is. But y'all make sure y'all catch me at DJ Every Car Show in Atlanta. Holla. Okay, right. we'll be looking for you. Why you say it like he performing? <laughs> I don't know. All right, yeah, it's the Breakfast Club. <laughs> We're talking about bonnets and pajamas. Do you feel that they're uh, appropriate attire just to be out and about in? Let's talk about it. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. I know it, man. 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 I know Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee. It is a Tuesday! And we're discussing uh, bonnets and pajamas this morning. Where did this come <laughs> from, Yee? This came from Monique and a post that she did about uh, women wearing bonnets to the airport. Here's what she said. But I saw so many of our young sisters in head bonnets, scarves, slippers, pajamas, blankets wrapped around them. And this is how they're showing up to the airport, not just at the airport. I've been seeing it at the store, at the mall. And the question that I'm having to you, my sweet babies, when did we lose pride in representing ourselves? When did we step away of let me make sure I'm presentable when I leave my home? I mean, I'm not mad at her opinion. I mean, that's her opinion, you know? And uh, what, what I would say to anybody is you can't expect you from other people, you know? So. If what about you, a bathrobe? Can you wear a bathrobe to the No, airport? that's ridiculous. You don't think so? <laughs> it's next level. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, I, th- I think I wouldn't do pajamas. I can understand the bonnets and the head scarves and stuff like that because them flights be long. People be sleeping on flights. You know what I mean? You and plus you want to maintain your hair. Yeah, you might be maintaining your hair for a purpose. You might be landing. When you land, you might need to go somewhere. So you got to have your hair wrapped. So when you get there, you unwrap the scarf, comb it out, and you get the way you're going. Who knows? Who knows? Let's go to the phones. Good morning. Good morning. Who is? This is Lynn Spencer. Good morning, Lynn Spencer. How are you? I'm amazing. Good morning. How are you guys? I'm blessed, black, and highly favored. Uh, bonnets and pajamas you, out and about. What you think? Would you do it? I don't personally wear bonnets, but as a medical and a mental health professional, if you are unapologetically black, who created a standard of preventable? You are supposed to do whatever makes you feel comfortable. Okay. Whatever makes you comfortable. So no judgment. Correct. We can't, we don't have room for judgment. Now it is a double-edged sword because your parents does, um, can open up other individuals to your mental health, how you feel about yourself and let in reference to depression and things of that nature. But as an unapologetically black individual, you're not supposed to impress anybody. You're supposed to do exactly what you want to do, how you want right. to do it and take those consequences for it. Uh, well, I'm with you. I understand. You. I understand what you're saying, but then people can go too far with that, right? Because I mean, what if somebody shows up to the airport with just a trench coat on and nothing under? They're gonna take those consequences. True. Yeah, they time. they definitely will. When you got to take off that coat to go through TSA. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I get what you're saying. Right to do exactly what they want to do. Who created the standard of preventable? Yeah, not us. I get it. So, but what if that? What if the standard is coming from one of us? Like in, Mo, in in Monique's case, if Monique is saying this is what she would like to see, don't we got to take that into consideration? Who said Monique was one of us? Oh, okay, now see, I ain't going that far now. All no, right. but I'm just saying, us is different categories of things. Us is a considered representable, but everybody can't relate to Monique. I can relate to an Angela Yee. I can't relate mm-hmm. to a Monique. I get it. 
So I'm, yeah, yeah, I get it. Black so people. If Angela Yee had a standard and she says, you know what, ladies, this right here is appropriate. This right here is not appropriate because we can personally see how she carries herself and that her word is her bond and that she's not going to tell people to do things that she's not going to do. Then that might be something you might look at and say, you know what, let's kind of look at this standard a little bit differently. But coming from a rich individual that has stylists and all of these other things that is directing right. them to prepare them to go places, she's not an us. We're regular, everyday, hardworking mental health professionals, and this is what we do. And our focus is to make sure that people understand how to be unapologetically black and hold on to those consequences. Well, I appreciate your okay. opinion, Lynn, and I'm, I'm sorry that you don't... That and I'm sorry you don't I, think yeah, Angela is rich. Say I, I'm not. Look, I feel her. I'm, I'm sorry not rich. You, I'm sorry that you don't think that about me. I definitely got to get up and work every single morning. And sometimes I'm tired and I'm not going to have time to get dressed up and do my hair and, you know, do all of those things. Might throw my hair in a bun, put on a hat, do what I got to do. Absolutely. Good morning. Hey, hey. What's happening? Who this? This Owasa. Is, is this Leonard? This is Leonard. Yes, it is. Hey, Sir Lennon, how you doing? Uh, it's Leonard. Before we get on the, but first we get on the topic of the bonnets our queens are wearing. I want to say, don't let Angela Yee and that other guy in the studio, don't let them talk about anything dealing with children because it's obviously they don't have kids. Who in the hell want their first and kindergartners learn about homosexuality and masturbation at that, that age? Where, where did you come up with all of this? Who said training, anything about homosexuality? That kind of training, I guarantee you they don't have children. Where is I homosexuality? Yeah, I, I don't think we okay, said nothing. Let's get on the subject. We didn't say I nothing about you, homosexuality. I guarantee, you, I guarantee you I was a child. Yes, yeah, right. And Envy yeah, got okay. a million kids. He said yeah. about drama. And I guarantee he, you I was a child, his, and I guarantee you I know my own experiences as a child. five or six-year-old grandkid to learn about that kind of stuff. I don't even know what you're talking about, sir, but she's too angry. He's upset. He's upset about the teachers okay. at the school. Okay, let's get on the bonnet. Yes, sir. <laughs> you hate him. Absolutely. Well, you're not a woman, so you can't talk about <laughs> bonnets. I know right? he hates him. You're embarrassed, Charlamagne, and, and I've been wanting to talk about this, and you and NBA ain't said a word about it. I'm talking about at the malls, at nice, trendy rest. It's embarrassing. And I'm going to hold the black queens available, but not policing this. Come on, coming outside with the house shoes on in the pajamas in the box. It's embarrassing. Anything sir, else? Sir, are you a woman? <laughs> sir. I like women. Well, then go should ahead, you Leonard, be weighing ahead, in it's on what women decide to do with their bodies or what they decide to wear on their heads? Now, do you see the hypocrisy in your statements? There's a time How and a place for everything. Weigh in. On something that you're so, not. So, you, so Angela Yee, you and your girl, when y'all go out to clubs, when y'all go out to nice restaurants, when you go out to premiere, we need you to calm down. We need you to calm down, bonnet, sir. You're going to say, oh, yeah, wear your bonnets. Sir, I'm not going to be you and tell people what they can and can't wear in the airport. Can I ask you a question, sir? Black women or white women? What's your yeah. preference? Well, you're queens or queens. Okay. Just making sure. I don't sure. see any white women wearing bonnets. Ah, uh, here we go. You said what? White women definitely. <laughs> I don't see any white. I don't see any white women wearing bonnets. Okay, so when you call when you say queens, who are you referring to, sir? I can't tell. I bet you use the phrase "good hair" too, don't you? <laughs> no, I don't use that phrase. But you use it. You just use it. Thank you for calling, sir. You tell people you got good hair. Have a good no, day, sir. I don't sir. I have terrible. All hair. right, thank you. It's a All mess. right. Listen, man, everybody's, everybody's entitled to their opinion. What's the, what's the moral of the story? 
Is there a moral to the story? Look, the moral to the story is, you know, I agree with the woman that called up earlier where she said you can wear what you want, but you just have to know that there's whatever the repercussions are from that. That's on you. I don't judge what anybody has on in public. I mind my business. I'm also a New Yorker, so I've seen everything. So it takes a lot for me to be like, damn, what they doing? Honestly, I think that's what Monique is trying to say. Monique is just trying to say, like, yo, you know, you, you, gonna, you leave the house looking a certain way. You know, people may judge you or treat you accordingly. So there is repercussions and consequences for, you know, how you present yourself. I think. And a lot of times they'll be dead wrong because it'll be the people with the most power, the most whatever that you judge them wrong. And you be the one that, that suffers those repercussions and consequences. That's very when true. You treat people based on their appearance. That's very true. Envy is off. Happy Tuesday. But Shout it out feels to like a Monday. Who celebrated Memorial Day yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went to go see Donnell Rowling's perform at Caroline's. I hit you. I told you uh, Miss Jones and Wendy Williams showed up. I did. I saw that in page six yesterday. I was reading about yeah, that. Yes. So that actually made it into page six. And I'm going to tell you what really, really happened. Should I save it for rumor report or do you want to know? You should save it for rumor report. Why would you give it to us now? Unless you got something better for rumor report. I mean, I have a lot because, you know, it was over the weekend. It was a holiday weekend. Why is that a story for for young young bucks like myself? (laughs) The two of them in a room, why is that a big deal? You're so disrespectful. I'm just asking a real question. You are so disrespectful. I can't ask a question. I can't ask a question. Jesus Christ. Why is the two of them in a room a big deal? (laughs) Well, uh, Charlamagne worked with Wendy Williams and Envy worked with Miss Jones. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's that. They had a slight rivalry back in the day. Gotcha. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And so the two of them actually came in together. Mm. And so what happened was at the end of the show, well, first of all, uh, Donnell, of course, kept shouting all, all of us out. And when they came in, it was like pretty much the end of the show. There was literally, I think Donnell was about to wrap it up. And I think he uh, extended it just a little bit because they walked in, you know, kind of late. And so... Donnell kept saying, oh, we got all these queens of radio in the room. And Wendy was like, what? Like, she didn't know, you know, who else was there. But Miss Jones had already waved hello to me and everything. And so then she was like, oh, hey, Angela. Then somebody in the audience yelled out, oh, no, not hey, Angela. And it was getting like a little feisty. What's wrong with hey, Angela? I don't know. That's what Mm. I'm saying. I, I don't know what was going on that it was such a big deal. So then at the end of the show, Donnell was like, hey, let's all take a picture. And Miss Jones, you know, gets up there. And they're trying to get Wendy to get up. I'm still in my seat. And then, you know, Donnell's like, come on, let's take a picture. So I got up to go take a picture with Donnell, as I would have done anyway. And people in the audience were like, Wendy, go, Wendy, go. And she didn't want to, which is no big deal. No problem. Like, I didn't really have an issue with it at all. I didn't go up there thinking that we were all taking a picture. I went up because Donnell was like, come on stage. Let's take a picture. So how did that turn into that Wendy Williams snub you I don't know. Mm. I guess because they felt like Miss Jones got up and took a picture. I got up and did it. And they felt like Wendy should have. But nobody has to take a picture if they don't want to. How y'all know Wendy's feet so, didn't hurt in that moment? You just saw her post about her feet <laughs> last week. I'm just I'm just playing, you know, white devil's advocate. You just saw you saw. Yeah, I mean, post whatever the reason is, even if you just don't feel like it, it's mm. not a big deal. It was really the audience that was like, get up there. Go, Wendy. Come on, Wendy. Oh, take God. the picture. And so it turned into like a way bigger deal than it ended up on page six. You know, yeah, people or whatever. Making- but Miss Jones and Wendy did come together and they did post a selfie together. They were seated together and then they left pretty much like right before the show ended. They got up mm. and left. So I guess they wouldn't have to deal with all the everything. So, so people making something out of nothing per usual. 
Yeah. Okay. And so I just want to put that out there. I, I wasn't the one saying, come take a picture. It was nothing like that. I was minding my business. Donnell is my boy. You know, he's like family to me. So if Donnell says, come get up here and take a picture with him, of course I'm going to do it. And I would have did it regardless, no matter what. So okay. That was a rumor report appetizer. What we got for the main course? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that may pay. All right. And uh, we're going to talk about Akon. He's not planning to press charges. Remember his car got stolen? You better than me. I don't know. It's the, yep. bre- it's the breakfast club. It's about time. What's going on? Rumor report. Rumor report. This is the rumor report. Talk to him. With Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club. Well, Jay-Z was on the season premiere of LeBron James's HBO series, The Shop Uninterrupted, and he was talking about DMX a lot on this episode. He talked about boycotting the Grammys, and it all has to do with DMX. By the way, the first time I boycotted the Grammys was for him. We both came out that year. He didn't get nominated. He dropped two albums, had two number one albums in the year. same yeah, year. Same right. year. I remember that. Yeah. They didn't even nominate him. The I won that year, year for rap album. So my first Grammy win, I wasn't in. So there was a there was a... A competitive thing, but it was big love. He was so competitive with me. I never met a human being more competitive <laughs> with me, like ever, not even my big brother. Um, we met battling. We was in the Bronx wow. in the pool hall. After that battle, we he went to like a show. He got on stage, Jay-Z, where you at? <laughs> <laughs> and then in addition, he talks about having to go on stage after DMX. And you know DMX's energy was crazy. Mm-hmm. Me, DMX, Method Man, Red Man, the locks, this toy is packed. So X is about to go on, and I'm like, you know, I want to see. I got like X is before you. X is going before him. The lights are up. He's in the hallway. It goes, doom, doom. And now the the, 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 the arena is shaking. And I'm like, this is cool. (laughs) And then he goes, and no. In the arena goes crazy. (laughs) First of all, deafening. And I'm like, oh sh. They're like, hey, now you go. The best part about that is uh, Hove didn't let that situation make him bitter. He he let it make him better. He became a better performer after witnessing that. Because he could have just hated. Yeah, because and imagine Method Man and Red Man, the energy they had too when that they was, used to be on tour. That was the second concert. No, that's the first concert I've ever been to in my life. Hard Knock Life Tour. Uh, it came to the North Charleston College. What's in your mouth? I'm trying to, uh, my fish oil pills. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Why would you talk right now? I'm sorry. <laughs> Relax. But yes, that was the first concert I ever been to in my life. North Charleston Coliseum, Hard Knock Life Tour. I think that was two, 99, 2000. I don't remember. All right. Well, since Page Six has all the reports, Jay-Z and Beyonce, according to Page Six, are rumored to be the buyers of a new $28 million Rolls Royce. It's the boat tail convertible car. So they said it's the most expensive car in the world. And an industry insider told the UK's Telegraph uh, that they believe that the Carters are the ones who purchased that car. All right, let me see how I can make this situation make me better and not bitter. $28 million for a Rolls Royce for a car? $28 million? What does this car do? Does it fly? Can it go yeah. underwater like a submarine? What does it do? <laughs> I'm looking at it. It don't look that nice. Does it drive itself? <laughs> what year is it? Where is Envy when you need it, man? Don't forget Jesus the car show is Christ. coming up if you don't have anything to do. <laughs> a $28 million car? <laughs> All right, and I want to talk about Coyle Ray for a second. I thought this was really nice. Uh, you know, Nicki Minaj, Polo G, and others have shown support for her after there was a crowd reaction clip that went viral. It was her performance in Houston, and it shows that a section of the crowd is just kind of standing there while she's performing as part of H-Town Memorial Day Mayhem. 
And she went on Twitter and said, the love used to outweigh the hate, but now the hate outweighs the love and it's slowly destroying me. Feel like you're trying to kill me. That's why I stay out of the way. Got to make sure I keep my distance. Your haters are in my life for a reason. We're going to have to deal with each other and with whatever smoke. And, you know, she goes on and you can tell she was just disappointed with that viral clip. But Nicki Minaj weighed in and said, don't do that. Chin up. Always remember this. When black people are not effing with you, they will boo. Those people were on their feet. That means they may not have known the song, but they were interested in getting to know more. So they were observing you. Charge it to the game and move on. Yeah, I mean, by the way, the hate never uh, outweighs the love. Social media just makes it feel that way. And I'm sure that there was a, a point in that show in her show that there were songs that they were more familiar with that I'm sure the crowd was going crazy over. What's that song she got that's popular? No More Parties or something like that? No More Parties, mm-hmm. I'm sure people polo- were wilding out when that song was playing. Polo G. Wade and also said, that's always how it be when you first come in compared to when you really blow, you got to black that ish out and keep going crazy. You got it. And um, so that was dope. But actually turned into the best weekend for her after that, you know, having everybody give her their advice. You know, here here at uh, in New York City, our headquarters is Power 105.1. And, um, you know, Nyla Simone is a DJ here on Power 105.1. She's also a Coilers Road DJ. And that was a moment where they were playing a new song that the crowd didn't even know. So she was debuting new music. So that makes sense that the crowd wasn't responding to it. All right. Well, that is your rumor report. Now, Charlamagne, you got Donkey of the Day coming up? Yes, I do. And it's going to a young man named Cole Buckley. He needs to come to the front of the congregation. We would like to have a word with him, please. All right. The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Angela Yee here. And did you know that the general insurance has been saving people money for nearly 60 years? That's a long time. So if you want the quality coverage you deserve at prices you can afford, check out The General. 800-GENERAL or visit thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. Don't be out here acting like a donkey. Hee-haw, bitch. Hee-haw. It's time for Donkey of the Day. <laughs> I'm a big boy. I can take it. If you feel I deserve it, ain't no big deal. I know Charlamagne guy gonna have some funny sweet <laughs> say out his mouth. Just gotta say something you may not agree with doesn't mean I'm mean. Who's getting that donkey? That donkey. That donk, 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 donk. Donkey of the Day right there. <laughs> the, the Breakfast Club, bitches. You can call me the Donkey of the Day, but like, <clears throat> I mean no harm. Yes, donkey today for Tuesday, June 1st, goes to a 21-year-old Massachusetts man named Cole Buckley. Now, we all know how passionate people are about their sports team. Sports is probably the shared experience in this country that brings us together the most. It's amazing that you can be in an arena with someone who's a fan of the same team that you are. And for the duration of that game, regardless of what your race, sex, gender, religion, or class is, you and that person are on the same page. doesn't matter what any of your differences are. It doesn't even matter what your bias are if y'all rooting for the same team okay during that game you're on the same team and that's a beautiful thing but some of you fans take things too far because y'all act like the team you're rooting for is dying for you okay i am a diehard dallas cowboy fan because my daddy is a diehard dallas cowboy fan i drop on the clues bonds for larry mckelvey okay cowboy out there in Moss corner south carolina but i'm not about to fight you over that silver and blue Okay, I'm not even going to curse you out over that silver and blue because I I get nothing from the Dallas Cowboys except joy when they win and sadness when they lose. So I can't understand for the life of me 
why fans do criminal things in support of their favorite teams. This is what brings us to the curious case of Cole Buckley. He's 21 years old, and he's a fan of the Boston Celtics. And after Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets washed the Celtics on Saturday night, and Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving wiped his feet on the face of Lucky the Leprechaun, Cole Buckley decided to take it upon himself and do this. Let's go to WFXT Boston 25 News for the report, please. We can now put a name to the face of the fan who's accused of throwing a water bottle at Kyrie Irving. He's Cole Buckley. He's 21 years old and he's from Braintree. He also now faces a lifetime ban from the TD Garden after this incident. This is what happened. Basically, the game ended. The seas blown out rather by the Nets. Kyrie Irving going to center court, wiping his foot on the seas logo. He went to the locker room, but before he got there, a water bottle came down from the stands and he raised his hand to be able to point out that fan. Police swarmed that fan. Seconds later, that person was arrested. His name is Cole Buckley. This is not the only incident like this in terms of bad behavior by fans. Last week in Philadelphia, a 76ers fan threw popcorn on Russell Westbrook of the Wizards. And in New York, a fan spit on Hawks guard Trey Young. Also in Utah, the Jazz were playing the Grizzlies. There were fans that reportedly heckled the family of Grizzly star John Morant. Look, whether you're the Sixers fan who threw popcorn on Russell Westbrook or, or, or the clown who spit on Trey Young at the Garden or the idiot who ran on the court last night during the Sixers versus Wizards game. If you love sports the way you say you love sports, if you love your team the way you say you love your team, then why or oh why? Would you, A, do something to make your team look bad, and B, do something that will get you banned for life from the arena of the team you love? Not to mention the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Shouldn't you do unto other players as you would have people do unto the players you root for? Now, Kyrie had something to say about the situation. Let's listen. It's unfortunate that sports has come to a lot of this, uh, you know, kind of crossroads where you're seeing a lot of old ways come up. It's been that way in history in terms of entertainment, performers, and sports for a long period of time of just underlying racism and just treating people like they're in a human zoo. I, I, I agree, and I just think it's just common courtesy and decency, okay? The players you root for don't appreciate you doing that to other players. Now, you, Cole Buckley, are banned for life from TD Garden, and you have an assault and battery by means of a dangerous weapon charge for what? Throwing that body like Kyrie isn't going to change the outcome of the game. The final score is what it is. I don't care if you upset that Kyrie, you know, didn't leave the Celtics on good terms. Hell, if I'm Kyrie and you did that to me, you just proving why I made the right decision leaving this city because that love is clearly not real. Now, for all you fools who say Kyrie shouldn't have disrespected the logo, sure, you may be right, but you know whose job it is to protect the logo? The Celtics. Okay, the team, they have to go on that court and bust the Nets ass. That's how you defend the logo. Okay, but Cole, even if Kyrie disrespected the logo, who died and made you the guardian of the garden? Okay, how come you the only fan reacting in that way? Okay, then what happens when a player gets something thrown at them and they react the way the OG Ron Artest Metal World Peace did back in the day? Drop on the clues bombs for Metal World Peace. Okay, if, if one of the players reacts in that way, are they wrong? No, they wouldn't be, but they will be the ones who get treated like they're dead wrong. They're the ones who are going to get fined crazy, suspended, and have to deal with all the high-stakes consequences that the punk-ass fan who started it won't have to deal with at all. Okay, listen, if you love sports the way you say you love sports, if you love your team the way you love your team, then why would you ever do anything that would get you banned for life from watching the team you love? Please give Cole Buckley the biggest hee-haw. 
It's just totally unnecessary. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Charlemagne, for that donkey of the day. That's right. And coming up next, who we got, Yee? Oh, man. Now, she is an icon for real. It is Caribbean Heritage Month in June, by the way. So happy Caribbean Heritage Month to everybody out there who wants to celebrate with us. But Miss Pat is going to be joining us. Now, if you don't know who Miss Pat is, she is one of the founders of VP Records. And VP Records is one of the uh, biggest independent labels for dance hall, soca, reggae music. Uh, was founded back in 1979 by Miss Pat and her husband and her kids and grandchildren now run uh, the label. But when I tell you the biggest artists in Caribbean music have been signed to VP Records either now or at some point in their career. Mm -hmm. I mean, Spice is there, uh, Beanie Man, Shabba Rings, Buju, Bounty Killer, Bungie Garland, Capleton. Bob Marley uh, at one point too, right? Bob I don't know if Bob... I don't know if Bob Marley was signed there, but he mm -hmm. they did used to own a record store. So there's pictures of him. And she has a book out, too, by the way, about her uh, reggae music journey. And she has pictures of a young Bob Marley there because their record store in Kingston, Jamaica, was like the spot where everybody used to go. So a young Bob Marley did used to come there and they did used to sell his records. But I don't believe that he was signed um, to VP. But they had pretty much all of the huge artists, Mr. Vegas, Wayne Wonder, T.O.K., anybody, uh, you name it. So she's, yeah, Sean Paul is probably their biggest success to Bougie date. Bonten. And they did a... They did a whole uh, collab with Atlantic Records uh, with Sean Paul to uh, really make him the huge star that he is today. And so Miss Pat is the founder of VP Records, and she's going to be joining us now as we kick off Caribbean Heritage Month. All right. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We have a special guest in the building. We have Miss Pat. Good morning. Good morning, Good Ms. morning. Pat. Good morning. Happy to be here. Happy yes. to have you. Such an honor to have you, Miss Pat. And you have such an interesting journey, but you founded VP Records, right? Yes. And for wow. people don't, that don't know about VP Records, we want to talk about the history of that and how you got to where you are. But just tell us how important VP Records is for the reggae and for the whole world in general. <laughs> VP Records, for me, I started it very, very young. And uh, it's a journey. It's over 60 years. And I love every minute of it. And I'm very happy that I'm still here, high up in age. But I enjoy my journey for the last 60 years. And I'm happy to see my reggae music has spread all over the world. And I am being blessed with all who helped me to reach this stage. Now, Ms. Pat is from, you're from Kingston, Jamaica. And you came over here when you were young, correct? And you yeah. created VP Records. The only reason I know is uh, my mother-in-law is Chinese Jamaican, and she came here from Kingston, and she tells us the stories all the time. So break down how difficult that was, because she always used to tell me that they would send one relative over first, and that one relative would bring everybody, you know, to send for everybody, as she would say. Yeah. Yes, as I said, I came here in 1977. But mother, my um, brother-in-law was living here before I did. So he was a help to bring us over. And then my husband came first with my two sons. And uh, three years after I got my papers, then myself, my second son, and my daughter came. And what made you think of creating VP Records? At the time, reggae music was hard to get. It was very hard to get. Even the time when VP Records was around, that was the only place to do it. So what made you say, you know what? I want to create VP Records and 
have a, a, a brick and mortar store in Queens and be the outlet for all Jamaican artists at that time for the, for decades. A Caribbean artist. Caribbean That's, artist for decades. Yes. Well, long before that time, I was also doing music in Jamaica, 20 years before. You do music, you do songs? Yes. So I spent 20 years on the counter at Randy's record. Mm -hmm. 20 years after, that's when we came here. Now, Miss Pat, this is all in her book too, by the way, because I want to make sure we know Miss Pat has a book, My Reggae Music Journey. Beautiful book, the most amazing pictures in here. You have like all of the iconic artists from... Uh, dance hall from reggae, all of that that are in this book, and they all had to pass through Randy's and VP Records at some point in their career. Yes, it has been, been it has been a journey. As I said, I started very early mm -hmm. when Jamaican music was just about to start, in like uh, maybe twenty years ago, nineteen fifty eight, when we got our independence in nineteen sixty two. That was a big, big year for us, and uh, we was invited to the World Sphere here in New York, mm -hmm. and that was a great, great thing for us because we were able to spread ska at that time. Ska was in, and we brought ska with us, and from ska we have come right up mm -hmm. <laughs> 60 how, years after. How difficult was it to create VP Records? Very difficult. When I came here, they knew Bob Marley, but they didn't know all the other artists that we had in our genre. So we had to start 20 years backward, small space, and start all over again. I would go to Brooklyn three, four times a week, trying to sell a couple of 45 records. Wow. So um, it'd been a journey, but we love what we do, and we stayed here over 40 years now, doing the same thing. Uh, embracing Jamaican reggae music and also soca. We did dipped into soca. Maybe 20 years now we started to do soca. Did the regular labels try to shut you out because here you are, independent, uh, Chinese Jamaican, you know, and at the time all the labels were ran by white corporations and you were kind of the only independent out and you were making money, you were bringing artists in, you were the only place for Caribbean artists. Did they try to box you out and push you out at all or even try to buy it back then? Well, you know, I should say we had a core audience, which we tried to service. And little by little, everybody knew about us. And at one time, we, you know, we do telemarketing. We, we didn't know a customer. There was a few white big labels here, but they didn't stop us because we had a variety of, of music. We brought in all the small labels as well as the popular labels. Mm -hmm. So we were really a big one stop. At one time, I had over 600 customers selling all over the country. And I'm blessed because we didn't have any money to advertise, but we used a lot of flyers, pamphlets, all the information we can. And I was on the phone. We started telemarketing, so we had to have all the music in our head. We didn't have computer to write on. So if a customer would come and ask us for music, we have to know which record they want, what, what um, LP it's on. Because 20 years before that, I stayed on the counter, so I know all the singers, all the producers, all the label, how much version is in a song. Sometimes the customer doesn't know the name of the record, so they'll hum it for me and I'll find it for them. That was definitely me when I used to go to VP Records because I knew the name of no songs. <laughs> I'll be humming all of them. Now, Miss Pat, before we even start with VP Records, let's go back to Randy's in Jamaica, right? 
and how you guys started or how you started even that business because uh, that was something that just wasn't being done back then. It was you and your husband who started Randy's and just tell us the idea behind that because you've always been a hustler. Yes. At 18, my husband was working with a jukebox company. So we bought them out from the company that he worked with. And that's where we started selling old jukebox records. And that's what our anchor. And later on, we developed in selling 1111 LP, like Persis Live, Jim Reeve, Sam Cooke. All those were the, the latest because it's R&B and jazz. And I don't even think we knew about hip hop at that time. Mm-hmm. 80, 60 years ago, we didn't hear about hip hop. So that's how we started selling news record, and we developed a studio afterward, Studio 17. And my store was at 17 North Parade, where it was the heart of Kingston, and everybody gathered around. We have Chris Backwell passing through. We have great producers like Lee Perry, Scratch Lee Perry, Bonnie Whalers, Scatolites, Jammies. Even Bob Marley came through, right? Even Bob Marley came through when he first started with Lee Perry. All right, again, you know it's Caribbean Heritage Month all of June, and we'll be talking some more with Miss Pat about her book and her reggae music journey. Coming up next on The Breakfast Club. What's up? It's The Breakfast Club, and we are joined by Miss Pat. Now, if you don't know who Miss Pat is, she is the founder of VP Records, one of the largest reggae music labels ever that that's ever existed. And it's Caribbean Heritage Month, so let's get into it. Miss Pat. Now, VP Records, VP is Vincent and Pat. That's the name? Yes. I just figured it out. Okay. <laughs> that's that's our first name, Vincent, Vincent which is Pat V, Records. and Patricia, wow. which is P. So we just call it VP. When now, we went to register, we didn't even know a name. So we just, okay, just put in our name. <laughs> and it so happened that it was unique after. <laughs> and you also helped artists. I, I heard this. I don't know if this is true. But a lot of the uh, Caribbean artists said you would help them get the proper paperwork to come over here to be able to perform and to be able to come over here and work. A bunch of artists that I've dealt with said, no, VP helps me with that. Is that true as well? Yes. You know, we have to do the proper papers. So um, we had to help them. Mm-hmm. Who do you think has been the biggest crossover artist? Because I, I, I would say when I was talking to Spice, she was telling me Sean Paul was probably, you know, signed a VP. And then you guys did it. Do you do a deal with Atlantic with Sean Paul or do they does he sign directly to Atlantic? How did that work? No, Sean Paul was signed to us. But when he started to make the hits, we coupled with, collaborate with Atlantic. And so if you had to say for yourself, who has been the biggest success as far as sales, as far as crossover, would you think it's Sean Paul? I think so. Because at that time when Sean Paul came on the scene, hip hop was very big then. And I think they associate Sean Paul with hip hop. So I think, I think, you know, when I came, it was just all Bob Marley they knew. And I thought they would have associated Bob Marley with Sizzlers and the other Roots music, but it didn't take off as much. It was the, the dance hall, Yellow Man, so on, that, that the dance hall, that really, Bujabant and Beanie Man. Did you watch uh, the verses with Beanie Man? Yes, and with, yes, with the very Did you watch it? Yes, I did watch it. They shouted you out too. I, I, I really liked, um, I like everything in it because I think because of the pandemic, everybody was at home and this was like a fresh, new excitement for mm-hmm. everyone. So we got a lot of response and I was very happy that everybody liked it and uh, enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. How did you transition from a record store to a label? Well, in Jamaica, 
We started out as a record company selling records, and afterward, when we built a studio, it was not naturally. My husband did independent Jamaica in 1962, I think, and that became a big hit for us because the radio didn't want to play it, but the streets were singing it, so they were forced to play it. And that's how we started, to make our own records. And uh, as we go along, we just do, every day we try to do something better. Didn't plan it, didn't go to business school, but we just follow our instinct. And there was a lot of people that helped us along the way because we were in the heart of Kingston where everybody sang. In Jamaica, we are gifted for singing because we sing when we're happy, we sing when we are sad, we sing when we are working, we sing in church, we sing on the street. So we are blessed that Jamaica is gifted for singing. Miss mm-hmm. Pat, what about being a woman in this business, right? Because look at you, how tall are you, 4'11"? Yes. Four foot eleven. Not when she's standing on her money, though. <laughs> <laughs> so how is I don't know if the woman? money came first. I think you're helping others and the money will follow. <laughs> yeah, well, back home, I didn't know. I was invaded into a man's, <laughs> man's job. I was just working. But when I came here and we were doing telemarketing, and they would say, can you put on a man for me? I said, Why? He said, well, I don't think you know what I need because, you know, I don't know the name of the song, but I can hum it or I know who sings it. So you test me. I know it. I spent 20 years on the counter. I know all the songs. So after that, they realized being a woman doesn't mean you can't learn your trade, you know. Mm-hmm. So I learned fast and I had to learn hard because I don't go to the dances. So I had to just learn and listen and ask questions and who sing that, who produce it, who was the backup singer, do they have 10 version behind it, who did them. So I learned a lot of lessons by on the counter every day for 20 years. Actually, I used to spin the disc on the counter too. Wow. <laughs> what about the women artists? Like a well, lady star? Well, at, was at first it was, we didn't have much, you know, we had, we had the trees, which is uh, Rita Marley, Marcia Griffiths and Judy Mott. Those were the three I knew. And gradually, as you go along, you know, we signed uh, quite a few women artists. And I'm blessed now that they are, they were only backup singers. They weren't really individual singers, but they are coming up. But we need more women on stage. <laughs> how, how, how was Bob Marley? How was it like working with him or just knowing him on a personal level? Bob Marley is very shy, not who you see on stage. When he was about 16, 17, he used to pass by the store. He was always going to play football with his friend Skill Cole. He just came, look around for his friends, and they would leave. But Lee Perry, Lee Scratch Perry, was the first one that um, brought him in the studio upstairs and then uh, made his first new LPs. Did you, did you know he was special? When did you, when did you no, realize he was special? No, nobody knew everybody. Everybody sang in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Even when Bob Marley, Bob Marley made a hits in, Amer- in America first and in England before we realized he was a, his, his manager, Chris Blackwell, really trained him, teach him and showed him the way. And he was accessible too. And he, he followed instructions. Uh, but when you first knew him, Nobody knew Bob Marley's would get hit because everybody sang. Mm-hmm. 
So when he became a head, we had to brush off all the <laughs> Bob Marley records because they were hot at that time. But I would say nobody knew it. Hate is not born in the, in the studio or on the boardwalk. It's born in the streets. Yeah. They always ask me, how do you spot a hit? I would say, not in the boardwalk, not in the studio. The people on the street makes the hit. Well, thank you for joining us this morning and taking time out of your day and coming and, and giving us some uh, history. That's right. Make thank sure you go get that book. That's it's right. a beautiful, yes. amazing <laughs> book. A lot of information. Miss Pat, it truly is an honor. You are an icon to me and to so many people, so I'm so glad you were able to join us. And I want to thank you all and the Breakfast Club to have me and uh, to, help to share my journey. Thank it's you. been a pleasure, and I'm so happy to be here. Right. Thank you all. Thank and you. thank you to all of the reggae fans out there and the hip-hop fans. <laughs> thank you for supporting my music for over 60 years. Big up! Oh, God. That ain't it? That ain't it. Oh. That ain't it. All right. Well, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. The Breakfast Club. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, Timberland and Swiss Beats did their versus rematch battle and it went down Sunday night live at uh, Live in Miami. And it was a good battle because the two of them definitely had some hits. I mean, you talk about Aaliyah, DMX, Missy Elliott. Jay-Z, Beyonce, Nicki Minaj, Justin Timberlake, J. Cole, Drake, Lil Wayne, and so on and so on for 20 rounds all together. I saw a lot of people saying the audience wasn't that hype, though. You needed, like, a better situation than that. And it was really nice at the end with the uh, Aaliyah and Missy birthday jacket that Swizz gave to Timberland. If you guys had a chance to see how dope that jacket was. But a lot of things happened during this battle. Now, to kick it off, Missy Elliott did this preview. Timbo the King. First of all, I want to say congratulations, and I want to say I'm proud of you and Swiss, and thank y'all for creating verses for us to relive some of the best moments in music. But Tim, you know Swiss be coming with them snappers. He be coming with them bangers, so you got to come straight out the gate. I, I love the both of y'all. Y'all deserve all the flowers coming to y'all. Now, one moment that was a surprise was Swizz Beats actually playing an unreleased verse from J. Cole's song, uh, Bath Salts. Who the first one that wanna jump up? Woo! Who the first one that wanna get locked up? Hey, this rap is got you really believing you're dead. If you rapping like, oh, niggas ain't never tough to for bragging rights. I don't know if that's cool with y'all. If so, then cool. I move along. I feel like it. I grew up with do's and don'ts. And that type lose their life like you might lose your phone. Relatively often. Now I put 750s often. Never let me off Check my go. square or off my chair. In this Woo! game of musical chairs, ain't it clear that my maneuvers way more fluid Jeez. than this? And I hear you talking about your money. Was you aware just to catch up to my bread? It would take you 200 years. Yeah. I wonder why he saved that verse. Bath Salts is on uh, the new DMX album with Nas and Jay. Maybe, maybe too long. I don't know. All right. Well, the whole night was dedicated to DMX. Yeah, I forgot That's about I forgot about that verse last night. I'm not going to lie. I have to catch the replay of that one. I was watching basketball and TD Jakes all day yesterday. Yeah, this was Sunday night. Not what was last night? night? On Monday, oh, today's Tuesday. Yeah, Sunday. I was watching. T yeah, I was watching. <laughs> you TD keep forgetting J what day it That's is. That's right. I, I was watching TD Jakes and basketball all day Sunday. Yeah. 
Yep. All right. Also over the weekend, DC Young Fly, apparently he was performing in Oakland, California, and uh, something happened. I guess an incident happened where somebody came on stage during his set and they said that he knocked the person out. I saw people posting DC Young Fly, knocked him out and then kept the show going. Now, he posted his own explanation. He said, I'm from the west side of Atlanta. I'm really from the streets. I've been stabbed. I'm traumatized. But God turned my life around. But I always stay on point just in case I have to protect myself. Pleasanton, Oakland, I love y'all forever. And we always have a good time. But I'm mad y'all have to see that side of me. But if you don't F with me, please don't come to my shows. If your intentions ain't to come and have a good time. First of all, D.C. Young Fly don't bother nobody. Drop on the clues bonds for D.C. Young Fly. Right. Okay. That is his business. That's right. And sw- sometimes swinging on folks is a form of self-care. If you on that stage, you got to protect your peace. Is security not fast enough sometimes? You got to protect your peace and you got to protect yourself. I'm not mad at DC Young Fly for that. All right, now I meant to do this earlier uh, with Jay Z when he was on the shop uninterrupted. He spoke on being a father and one thing that he had to learn because of Blue Ivy. As fathers with daughters, like, what is it like in this world now? I didn't learn how to swim until Blue was born. Like, this is a metaphor for how I our relationship right. if she ever fell in the water and i couldn't get her i couldn't even like fathom that thought right and that that, that was the beginning of our relationship i thought about uh, uh you know the hall of fame and i got the announcer i was like, well, like taking, thank you guys Absolutely. i was taking blue to school i was like this ain't no celebration <laughs> <laughs> She walked away. I was like, yo. Your dad's in the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, kiss. Yeah. I'm in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> like, bye, dad. I mean, the, the evolution of hip-hop is such a beautiful thing, right? But that's such a perfect metaphor, not just for your kids, but in life, period. Like, you always got to be willing to learn new things so you can better serve and help others. I was thinking it's a Brooklyn thing. You see Chris Rock learn how to swim. Now Jay-Z knows how to swim. I'm next. I'm going to have to learn how to swim. You don't know how to swim? No. I say that like I do. <laughs> That's yeah. why this is all... <laughs> That's why this is all fascinating to me, to see people learning how to swim now. And I'm a water you sign. Know to... I, I love being in the water, but I can't swim. No, I you don't definitely... know how to swim? No, I can't swim. Not at I'm all. I'm shocked. Mm-mm. How y'all both judging right. each other and neither one of you knows how to swim? I ain't know what you said, drum. Your beer was in your mouth. What y- you say? Y'all both judging each other, but neither one of you knows how to swim. I ain't judging. You got the judgment in your voice, both Mm-mm. of you. Mm-mm. All right. Dramos, get out of here. He's always all right. thought something. <laughs> Now, let's talk about, since we're talking about LeBron's show, The Shop, let's talk about his agent, Rich Paul. Now, he recently did an interview with The New Yorker, and he talks about being a black man in a field of agents that is overwhelmingly white. And he said that many black athletes are reluctant to sign with a black agent, but he said it was much more uh, the case with the white counterparts. He said, it's very difficult for me to represent a white player. And he said, look around, there's very few. I I represent a player from Bosnia, but again, he's international. He looks at a difference. And um, so he was asked, so white players who are American don't want a black agent. And Rich Paul said, they'll never say that, but they don't. I think there's always going to be that cloud over America. Interesting. I would think that, you know, you would want the best agent. I would think that you would want the person that's, you know, getting the most deals done, getting you the best deals, getting you the best endorsement deals. I would just think you want the best agent. And he also talked about the decision, right, and that whole uh, situation that happened with LeBron. And he said it uh, it helped other athletes take control of their careers. And Rich Paul did say, that's why I don't speak to Bill Simmons. A lot of that has to do with race. He wouldn't have said that about Larry Bird. He wouldn't have said that about J.J. Redick. You get what I'm saying? The mm. decision 10 years ago is the norm today. It's what everyone wants to do. Kids won't even decide where they go to college without it being a big production. And Bill Sim- Simmons says some ish like that. I wonder who are the top agents, though. I mean, Rich Paul is definitely, you know, one of the hottest top agents out. I wonder who else is on that list. 
Yeah, because he has um, Anthony Davis, Ben Simmons, Draymond Green, Anthony Edwards, John Wall. So he has a pretty uh, nice roster. All right, well, that is your rumor report. Word. So I guess I got to lie right now and tell y'all that the People's Choice Mix is up next. <laughs> oh, um, man. Listen, what y'all want to hear? Stop lying to people. What do man. I want to hear this morning? You think he going to play be a whole lot of money? I have no idea. What do you think Envy going to play? I have no idea. This is the People's Choice well, Mix, not the People's Make your mix. requests right now. Y'all can tweet at DJ Envy. Tell him what you want to hear. He's going to get that <laughs> on for you in the mix. Oh, God. Okay. It's The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Enter for a chance to win two high-end cell phones with 12 months of service and $2,500. Thanks to Simple Mobile. Simple Mobile. Out with the old, in with the simple. To enter and get rules, visit breakfastclubonline.com. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Uh, Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off today. It is a Tuesday. We had a long uh, memorial weekend. It still feels yes, like we Monday. Did. I know. And listen, I'm out here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it does feel, uh, I mean, I'm glad I'm here. It's historic, but there's just so much pain that people in Tulsa, Oklahoma had to endure. And the fact that there's three people who are still alive from the Tulsa massacre that happened 100 years ago today. You know, I'm going to be doing some panels today with Hennessy. Uh, they're sponsoring a lot of the activities that are happening out here this weekend, Moet Hennessy. So I just want to thank them uh, for just participating. And I'm hoping that some of the relatives of the people from the Tulsa massacre and even the three people who are still alive today will get some type of justice from this horrible incident that happened a hundred years ago. Yeah. I mean, if, pe if, if, if people in Tulsa, if those people in Tulsa who are still alive, you know, can't get any form of reparations for what happened to them a hundred years ago, there's no hope for the rest of us. You know what I mean? Because that literally was just 100 years ago, and they're still alive to, to, to talk about it. They can't use the typical excuses like, well, you can't pay ghosts or, you know, y'all weren't slaves. Like, no, those people lived it. So them and their descendants should definitely be compensated. Yeah, and I, I've seen stories about different people who actually have relatives who are uh, their descendants of people who actually were uh, really rich during this time period in Tulsa 100 years ago. And you know, everything was taken from them. Wow. So imagine your lineage put you as one of America's wealthiest families, and then your life was impacted by something that happened 100 years ago, a massacre from white supremacists, and you still haven't gotten any justice. That's right. That's right. Well, uh, and also, too, I want to tell people, man, make sure that they grab Tamika Mallory's State of Emergency, How to Win in the Country We Built. Nothing makes my heart uh, smile more nowadays than seeing people posting about the book, how the book has impacted them thus far. So thank you. It's available everywhere you buy books now. All right. We got the positive note when we come back. It's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Yep, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off. Uh, I think it's time for the positive note, Yee. All right. Well, Charlamagne, what is the positive note today? The positive note is simply this, man. Um, first of all, I want y'all to watch uh, Bishop T.D. Jake's Left for Dead sermon that he gave on Sunday. If you haven't seen it yet, man, go on YouTube and watch that. It is a word that will bless your life. But he said something in there that made me uh, think. He actually said that um, what you call luck is actually God's grace. So that's the positive note. Nothing you have is because of luck or chance. It's all due to God's grace and favor. Breakfast Club, bitches! Are y'all finished or y'all done? 